fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good folks at Roto Street Journal. We, of course, are the fantasy football podcast that will pave your path to 2018 fantasy football titles. I am the Wolf. You might be shocked if you're a longtime listener to hear my voice and not the truth. Sorry, folks, even though he's got that smooth, nice voice, he is such a dad that he could not join. Actually, it's just the holiday season. I couldn't go at our normal recording time, and he couldn't match up with me today. So, unfortunately, I'm riding solo. I love having my guy. I love talking with him. Uh, but he's just such an old man that sometimes these things can't work out. So, he's busy you know, putting shingles on roofs or whatever dads do in their free time. I'm going to still, though, never leave you hanging because it is week 16. It is the championship week, folks. Everything you've done so far, clawing your way over the waiver wires, all those hours of pre-draft research, every little scratch and closet start decision you had to make and toil through, it all comes down to this. Doesn't matter unless you get the title, all the glory. Nobody remembers, nobody cares about second place. It's all about first, folks. And you gotta get that win if you're listening now. I imagine you are in your title. And if not, you're just a sad, pathetic fantasy soul like myself, and just want to hear more fantasy talk. I got three titles coming up out of five leagues, so not a bad year, but I got to win them for it to actually matter. Hope I take them down. Missing out, of course, in the Fez League. Shout out to the brothers in there. Dave Mock, you pathetic loser. I hope you lose. Uh, But everybody else out there, best of luck. We're going to do our best to preview the week for you, get everything you need to know. We got a loaded stock watch and trainer's room. It's uh, it's about Thursday right now, so those practice reports have started to come in. So we got an even better update. I know we normally have this podcast out on Thursdays, but with no football tonight, uh, we figured we could move it back a day, get an even clearer picture. And it's good we waited because some huge news has broken since then. We got some breaking stuff on Josh Gordon, insane. Uh, then we got James Connor, some more clarity on his status. Todd Gurley, what's going on there? Your Chargers studs looking better and better by the day. Some older news that we haven't had a chance to cover, but Cam Newton going to the IR, what does that mean? And your championship game, Ido Smith also to the IR, giving Coleman some new life. Some rapid-fire segment there, too, for net the corners uh, of some important D-streamers this week. Some running backs that are limited. Are they going to play? Deshaun Jackson. Lots to cover in our stock watch, folks. And then, as always, higher, lower, Hail Mary, position by position, will tell you where I go against the experts, whether I'm higher on somebody, lower on somebody, and where I will take a Hail Mary this week for all those of you that are desperate. And based on the mailbag, our final segment It's going to be a desperate week for plenty of you guys. It's crazy sometimes you look at some of the rosters that make it to week 16 and you're like, how the fuck did this person make it? Well... This is the time that you got to earn that money. It's all, you know, it's never about just having the studliest team. It's about being the most active, finding the right matchups. And some of you guys have crushed that all year. That's, of course, why we're the fullback dive, all the gritty moves you needed to get to this point. 
But like we've said this whole time, it does not matter until your title. Of course, next week we're going to kind of review the season. We'll talk about where we were money, what we really helped you guys hit on, who you might have had that blew up, uh, excuse me, Pat Mahomes, uh, where we were wrong, where you, we you know, were too low on people like the Rams receivers and you missed out on them, uh, where we were too high on people and you might have got stuck with like Jarvis Landry. What a pathetic loser. Screw him. We'll do a, a nice little review though of 2018 and then we'll also have a nice look forward 2019. We're building up the site right now for a nice refresher. Our guy Matt Sullivan doing a fantastic job. It's coming out money so that we're going to have every single, this is psycho, I know, every single stock profile done, all our 2019 rankings done as the new year hits. January 1st, be sure you're clicking on Roto Street Journal because I know you psychos will still be thinking about fantasy football just for a couple days longer and we're going to have all our 2019 stuff out in ready so that way we have a nice base to launch from so that then you come back for free agency you can come back from coaching carousel changes see how the values are getting shaken up uh it's going to be a great off season though we're planning to absolutely dominate and continue our mission to become the face of fantasy we hope wolfpack you're along with us and we hope it's because we got your titles this year let's dive in though it's week 16 we're not worried about 2019 yet because we got titles to win you and we'll start first with Josh Gordon. Crazy news here. He announced he's stepping away from the football field to uh, focus on his mental health a bit. And then it comes out later from Tom Pelissero that he's dealing with another indefinite suspension because he violated his terms of reinstatement. Whether it's weed, some other substance, he has violated it and he's not going to be in the league for who knows how long, potentially his career. Obviously devastating just in terms of a Patriots fan, that vertical element he was bringing, that run after the catchability. He had brought a new element to a very sorely lacking wide receiver core. It was, you know, we were crippled losing Dorsett and Patterson and probably going to have to roll back to those guys. It hurts very deeply as a Patriots fan. Fantasy owners too, you you started to get consistent wide receiver two value. I know last week he sucked, but for the most part, some double-digit games. Uh, he's getting more and more acclimated to the offense, so your, his outlook was just only getting better. I was excited to see, you know, year two after an offseason what he could do. That's all dashed out. That's to the drain, unfortunately. Uh, so what are you going to do for backup plans? There's some Hail Marys. I mean, Robbie Anderson's still out there in over seven. 70% of leagues, a guy I absolutely love this week, my wide receiver, 19. I think he, fresh off of two blow-up games, seeing 30% of Sam Darnold's targets since he returned, he could make a money fill-in for you if you had Gordon. In fact, I would have rather had Robbie Anderson anyways in my lineup than Josh Gordon. Uh, he's been playing that well in the matchup against Green Bay, third most points to wide receivers. He's a decent fill-in. Uh, other than that, if he's already taken, maybe you can find Deshaun Hamilton, saw 12 targets last week. He's become that new slot slot. The ceiling is definitely low when you're attached to Case Keenum, but the floor is pretty damn high when you're Case Keenum's slot guy. The volume is impeccable there. Uh, so those are two names to potentially look for. The third would be Robert Foster, who I actually like even more than Deshaun Hamilton, my wide receiver 28 this week. A fill-in flyer for the Bills. He has double digits in four of his last five. He brings that deep element. Him and uh, their offensive coordinator, Double, were both at Alabama together, so he knows how to use him. He knows what type of elements he brings, and that connection has been very real these last few weeks. The Patriots, too, get burned. They can't tackle mobile quarterbacks. That buys them some time to streak past this defense. I don't know if he gets Gilmore on him, which would make it tougher, uh, but those are three potential replacements for Josh Gordon. But unfortunate news, and of course, you know, beyond the fans, 
fantasy field. We hope just for his sake he gets his mental health together. What an unbelievable talent. He just seems like a, a genuine guy that's really been struggling with these demons. So we wish the best to him. Sucks as a Patriots fan. Sucks as a Patriots owner. Obviously things are bigger at play uh, than that. This Patriots team was already trending downward though and this certainly doesn't help. All right, now we move to James Conner, a guy that entering the week we were all expecting to potentially be back. Well, the latest is he's most likely not going to be playing. Unfortunate news uh, for those of you who have had him. He's been an absolute hero, probably, actually, definitely the best value pick of drafts. A lot of people picked him in their last rounds, whether they needed to handcuff Le'Veon Bell and <clears throat> he saved your second overall pick, or whether you were smart enough to realize Le'Veon's no sure thing and snag him whether you had him or not. And then that way you paired you know, a first-round workhorse with a last-round workhorse and had unbelievable value all year. That building a stable we always talk about, James Conner has been a monster this season. Unfortunately, if you if you had him, he's going to be out again. And you didn't have Jalen Samuels, I doubt you even made it this far. But if you had Jalen Samuels, good for you. You listen to us, especially at your tight end spot. My goodness, at Yahoo, you can put him in there. He's fresh off over 170 total yards. He's been averaging well over 70% of the snaps the last two weeks. It's not a committee. They've always operated as a one-horse machine, and Jalen Samuels is that horse. I get that New Orleans is a tough matchup. They're giving up the 31st most points to running backs, so second fewest in the league. But he does it all. He's a jackknife. He's a Swiss Army, whatever you want to call him. He does it all. So he'll catch his balls. He'll see 20-plus touches again, maybe a good bet finding the end zone. I would have him in my lineup for sure. My running back, 15. My tight end, 2. The only guy above him is Travis Kelsey. So even Ebron, you know, such inconsistency there. You got Ertz. He's got Foles. He had 22 yards last week. Kittle, disappearing act last week against Seattle in another bad matchup. Give me the guy that's getting 15 carries, 20 carries, and a few catches. That floor is at least 8 to 10 with a big ceiling as well. So you got to have Jalen Samuels in your lineup if you own him for the championship. Elsewhere, Chargers studs. Keenan Allen returned to a limited practice, expected to play according to Adam Schefter. And then Anthony Lynn comes on Sirius XM Radio, tells Ross Tucker that Melvin Gordon is also going to be playing this Saturday. So it looks like both of your studs from the Chargers are going to be in there. Does it matter, though? They're facing the Baltimore Ravens. What happens there? I don't think either of them can find your bench necessarily. Melvin Gordon in particular, because of such high volume, the workhorse that he is, you should still expect 15, 20, maybe even more touches. It's a tough defense. I get it. But you can't erase Melvin Gordon. And it's not a defense that can't be run against. So I imagine Gordon gets his usual 20 touches, gets his minimum 80 yards, finds the end zone at least once. Uh, he's my RB9, so not in his locked-in you know, top three status that I normally have him in less matchups. Uh, but still... He's in your lineup. If you have Melvin Gordon, it's almost impossible to bench him unless you built the most ridiculous stable of like McCaffrey and Gurley and some other ridiculous flex. Otherwise, Keenan Allen, my wide receiver 22, so not a must play, but a probably must play in your lineup. He's a bigger risk to get eliminated just because of the wide receiver position. The secondary in particular is the strength of the Ravens. So if anyone's going to just get completely dis destroyed, it might be Allen, who could be a scarecrow, a decoy, because they do have something to play for still. They could potentially overtake that division. So it's not like the, the Keenan Allen's going to just sit on the bench, but he could be a decoy, could be that scarecrow we always are terrified of, could re-aggravate his hit pointer. So if I don't have to trust him, let's say I do have Robbie Anderson, I got lucky on the waiver wire, I would play Robbie Anderson over Keenan Allen. I know that might sound psycho, but I definitely would 
good this week. Again, the way that Robbie Anderson's been rolling, 15-19 is last two, 30% of the targets. I'd much rather have that. It seems safer. Robbie Anderson seems safer than Keenan Allen. I still like the words come out of my mouth, and so does puke. I want to swallow it back, but still, uh, it, it, he's probably in your lineup. It's Keenan Allen. So my wide receiver, 22. There's only 21 guys I'd rather have. He's probably in your lineup, but of course, hit me up at Roto Street Wolf. If you have Keenan and you're feeling queasy about it, I mean, I have Dante Pettis above him, for example, my wide receiver 21. So maybe you got lucky with Pettis a few weeks ago. I'd keep rolling that ball as well. Uh, that's where I stand on my Chargers studs, though. Todd Gurley, our next one. So tons of big names in this stock watch this week. Of course, week 16. It's how it always goes, right? You have all your studs with question marks. You got to fight through and claw to your championship, though. Last year, he had Gurley. He hand-delivered you a title. I faced him in three fucking championships last year, and he buried me. I still am in his torture chamber, according to my Twitter. I've never left. If I win a couple titles this year, maybe he'll relinquish me. Who knows? I'm facing him in two championships this year, though, so he might just do it again to me. He's got the matchup against Arizona, giving up the third most points to backs. My God, he's going to redden my cheeks again, as he has done year in and year out in the championships. Oh, I'm terrified. But a little reason to not be as scared is he hasn't practiced the last three days in a row. Now, Sean McVay has said he doesn't have to practice to play. but And the team then go and add C.J. Anderson makes you a little more skeptical. Is Gurley going to play? Even if he plays, is he going to get a full smattering, a full 30-plus touches that we're used to from him? I don't know. Obviously, I'm not on the crystal ball. If he plays, though, he's still a must-start. For me, he dropped from my locked-in number one. There's no doubt about it. Running back to now my number three. So, I mean, it's Gurley in a great matchup. You're going to play him if he's active. There is the risk, though. They get up big early, and they sit him, and they they recognize, let's not get this guy any further injury. We got our win. You know, 21-0 in the first half, and they sit him for John Kelly. Speaking of John Kelly, must add, 19% owned. Definitely get him onto your roster if you haven't done so already. Whether you own Gurley or not, whether you're facing Gurley or not, a great move to block him in case your opponent picks him up and then could start him for 20-plus touches against the Cardinals. I mean, he'd be almost must-start in my opinion, so whether you use him or not, you can block your opponent. Get him now if you're listening and he's still out there in your leagues, and he probably is, only 19% owned. Uh, But back to Gurley himself, even if... He only plays a half, and they get up 21-0, say that script we were just talking about. you got to imagine he's a major part of that building the lead because this defense is so horrible. I guarantee the Rams' defense is going to smother them. My favorite play by far, by the way, for D-streamers, not streamers, just D-special teams this week, is the Rams. They are going to demolish this team. The Atlanta just put up 27. The highest score of Week 15 is Atlanta's pathetic defense. Put up 27 points. What do you think the Rams' talented front is going to do against these guys, that talented secondary? We're getting at least one pick. Six out of these guys. Uh, favorable position for the offense. Whoever's running the ball is going to do damage, and it's probably going to be Gurley. I expect him to be out there, but if he's not, John Kelly, a must-start, and if Gurley's out there, of course he's in your lineup, as he always has been. Other news, a little bit older, but we haven't had a chance to cover yet on the podcast. Cam Newton was moved to the IR. He's not going to play these final two weeks, uh, so... Obviously, he's out of your lineup. Hopefully, he was out of your lineup leading into this game because otherwise, you're probably not in the championship. He had plum matchups all playoffs, but he hurt his shoulder and was never the same. Didn't use this, the legs the same way. The, the coaches didn't want to get him injured. Wasn't slinging it deep. Those are two of the most important parts of Cam Newton's game. So when you were robbed of both of those, he was a six-point loser. So if you had Cam Newton and you made it, congrats. You're probably now scrambling for backup plans. I would be looking first to Josh Allen, only 27% owned. 
Cleveland. He's been running wild. The touchdown or 100 yards in four straight weeks on the ground. His Games 26, 30, 20, 19. He's been the number one scoring quarterback in fantasy since he returned in week 12 to the, against the Jags. This guy's been a monster, and he's still owned in way under half the league. So that's the first spot I would look. I've seen other flags. I've seen like Trubisky still on waiver wires. I'd go to him first if he's somehow out there facing San Fran, my number six quarterback of the week. So maybe you go him. Maybe someone got angry and cut Dak after his shitty game. He gets Tampa Bay this week. So there are some options. If you're in the Cam Newton hole, let me know. What does it mean for the rest of the offense? Well, one, Christian McCaffrey is probably going to get all the work he can handle. He did get held out of practice today. Makes me a little bit nervous, especially with them sending all these players to the IR, it could mean Christian McCaffrey just gets shut down. Why ruin our our future franchise back, who's been an absolute monster? I saw a stat today. He's played every single snap except 21 on the year, 97% snap total. That's unheard of from the running back position. Just an every down horse in every sense of the word. They were not lying when they said 25 to 30 touches was the new expectation for this guy. Holy hell, he's been a monster. He's carried you to titles and will carry you to another one this week if he's active. If not, uh, who the fuck's there? Is that like fucking Fozzie Whitaker? Uh, what's the dude's name? Cameron Artis Payne? I doubt you could use any of those guys with confidence. Uh, but they're going to get work, and they're going to get work against a bad Atlanta team. So their their backup, what's his name? Taylor Heineke? Uh, something of that nature. I don't know what this creature is, what he brings to the table. I know he runs well, uh, 4 6 40 as a big guy, a strong arm, kind of like your Cam Newton light style player to, to back up Cam. So I can't imagine he's worse than what Cam Newton's been these last couple weeks. Uh, so Taylor Heineke, maybe a potential streamer on DraftKings. You can't trust your finals with him in there. But I don't downgrade DJ uh, Moore or Curtis Samuel any more than I would have already with Cam Newton in there. Uh, so that that's my take on the Newton to the IR. Ido Smith also goes to the IR uh, after undergoing knee surgery, done for the season. And that opens the door for Tevin Coleman these next two weeks. Hopefully you're not playing week 17 or you're a fucking loser. But week 16, if you got Coleman, I think he's got to be in your lineup. Tougher matchup against Carolina. They're horrible against the pass, but pretty stout against the run. Still, this guy's fresh off 145-yard TD day. He's about to see his work. And that was off 11 touches. He's probably going to see closer to 20 this week. Moves up to my running back 20. Uh, a clear-cut locked-in number two guy with some serious upside is Tevin Coleman. Just a couple quick rapid-fire notes. on Johnson's on the IR. We've been talking about him week in, week out. Is this going to be the week he returns? He's not coming back. So he's done for the year against Minnesota. You're not streaming Zenner. You're not streaming Theo Riddick, hopefully, or else you can kiss that title goodbye. Maybe one of those guys falls in the end zone. I'm not trying to figure out who. Leonard Fournette practicing in full after getting his touches limited and saying he's going to be limited in practice, he comes out and gets a full practice in. Who the fuck knows what's going on with the Jaguars? But the matchup is so ripe against the Dolphins. I have him as my RB18 because of the question marks. That's five spots higher than the experts, though. I think he's a nice contrarian DraftKings play for tournaments as well because he could rumble for 102 TDs if he sees that usual 20-plus touches that we've come accounted to. And with a full practice week... Maybe that's what we could expect. We've got some limited RBs and Lamar Miller, Spencer Ware, Matt Breida, and the Bills running backs. All of those guys kind of hover in my running back 30 range if they're active, so none of them are must-plays. Uh, the most intriguing to me is honestly Spencer Ware, even though he's ranked with the experts in the 50s. He's the best shot at a touchdown, in my opinion, of these guys. Breida facing Chicago and dying every week on the field. Not a guy I'm trying to get in my lineup. Lamar Miller is just bleh. And after last week, fuck him. He's a loser. Uh, doesn't even have a high ankle sprain, but sits out the whole half. 
soft. Uh, and then the Bills running backs, what, how can you ever trust those guys? So out of all those guys, where is the most intriguing to me? But hopefully none of them are forced into your lineup. Uh, I wouldn't want any of those guys. Julio Jones has not been practicing. He's going to participate in the walkthrough on Friday. It is that time of the year your studs might just get sat because they have nothing else to play for. That's the case. That would suck. But I imagine he's going to be out there, and he's going to play against a horrendous Panthers secondary that have been giving up monster games to wide receivers as of late. So Julio could be a title bringer as long as he's in there for you. As we mentioned, McCaffrey did not practice. I imagine it's probably just a rest day. He had no injury report notes or anything pop up. He's been playing such a heavy smattering of snaps that I think they're just resting their stud horse for this game, but ultimately, you got to keep it on your radar. You got to have a backup plan just to be safe. Uh, we mentioned Jamal Williams. He's only he's up to 70% owned, so he might not be out there if you already missed out on him, but Kalen Balage, 30% owned, uh, was the clear-cut horse after Frank Gore went down. He could be a potential backup plan. John Kelly should be stashed in case Gurley can't go. Those are a few names I would turn to first. And if none of them are there, then maybe you add Cameron Artis Payne and just have his direct backup in case McCaffrey doesn't play. Um, other than that, the last couple notes I want to quickly cover. Denzel Ward is back for the Browns, practicing in full. Xavier Howard also back for the Dolphins, practicing limitedly, but now expected to suit up. I mentioned both of those guys because they're both on very streamable defenses, and especially now with their two top secondary studs back. Uh, the, the Browns are facing the Bengals. They're only 12% owned right now. The Driscoll-led Bengals that now lost Tyler Boyd, their top receiving option, at home. I kind of like the Brownies this week as a stream, and I also like Miami at home facing the Kessler-led Jaguars, especially with their main secondary guy back. Of course, their weakness is the run D, and they could get steamrolled by the Jaguars, but ultimately, I'm a fan of uh, the Miami D first, then the Browns, both widely available in leagues, so if you need a D streamer, and let's say like Indy's not there, maybe the Cowboys got picked up against Tampa Bay, I like these two teams as potential blow-up spots in the playoffs. Victor Wild Islander bringing out the child in you. All right, folks. We're now on to higher, lower, Hail Mary. We're rapid fire. We're flying through this. It's weird again not having my boy Nat aside me to narrate this. So hopefully my voice isn't just bleeding your ears right now and you're able to to handle just a straight wolf pod. You can always let me know how you feel about it on on. Twitter, blast me if you want. But we're at higher, lower, Hail Mary. And we're on Matt Ryan for our higher quarterback. I have him at number five facing Carolina on the road, yes. But still, that's five spots higher than the ECR. That means Matt Ryan is the quarterback 10, according to the experts, which I think is embarrassingly low. This guy's had 20 fantasy points in 10 of 14 games. Uh, This is a high-volume aerial attack, one of the weaker run games in the league. Uh, They lean on Matt Ryan's arm, and their defense is pretty abysmal. I know they're not having much competition with Cam Newton out this week, but still, this Matt Ryan had 31 against the Panthers in Week 2. Now they're even more depleted as a secondary. Now they're even more mailed in after losing six straight games. I think Ryan comes in. Bombs these guys. Julio goes berserk. Calvin Ridley out of the slot. That's where they're been especially demolished. Maybe he has a bonkers game too. Matt Ryan needs to be in your top five quarterbacks this week. And if not, you're very you're, you're way too low on him. Uh, also just mentioned, Russell Wilson's my number two quarterback. Last week I was low on him because he was facing San Fran and I didn't think that it was going to be a, uh, a close game. I was wrong on that. 
Uh, this week, though, it's going to be a close game. If not, they're going to be losing, which means come back Russell Wilson. Shoot out Russell Wilson. That's my favorite Russell Wilson. He always balls out in these type of circumstances. I love watching him play in these, I think, deep bomb after deep bomb from both sides. Sunday night football, going to be a doozy. And Russell Wilson, my number two, trailing only the man he's going up against, Pat Mahomes, as those two go neck and neck and try to keep pace with each other. I'm expecting a great one. Who am I lower on? Ben Roethlisberger. Again, I was last week. He was my lower. He's the number two quarterback by the experts last week. Said no way. And I think the Wolf got that one right with only 15 fantasy points. No way. He was the number two scoring quarterback. I'm going back to the well. He's the number three quarterback this week. And I'm even lower than I was last week. I now have him down at quarterback 11. Why? He's facing the Saints. They've given up the fifth most points to quarterbacks. They get bombed every week, right? Not so fast. Since the last six weeks, the Saints D has turned a corner. I don't know exactly what has led to it. I don't know if they got a D lineman that I haven't noticed. Maybe Lattimore's just really gotten his game play up. I know they traded for uh, Eli Apple. He's really fit in pretty well there. But since then, they've only allowed 12.3 points per game over the last six. That's best in the league, folks. And they've faced some pretty good offenses in Atlanta, Philly, Tampa Bay, Carolina. That's some high-powered attacks. They've been putting up some decent points. The Saints have been shutting them down. And now you get Big Ben on the road. Not only just Big Ben, but banged up Big Ben. Uh, the ribs. Can you see him grabbing him and trotting to the sideline after he gets picked off for the third time? I can, for sure. It's going to be under duress. This D-line's been getting after quarterbacks. The corners have been sticking to their receivers like glue. Uh, on the road, I just see him crapping himself this week. Not a fan of Big Ben as compared to the experts who have him at three. Down at 11 for me. My Hail Mary quarterback. It's Josh Allen. Only 27% owned, despite week in and week out. I rave about this guy. I've nailed it three weeks in a row. Josh Allen hasn't disappointed. 26-30-2019 since his Week 12 return. The quarterback won. I know I said that earlier in the podcast. Let me repeat it one more time. The number one scoring quarterback since Week 12, since he returned from his injury. New England, meanwhile, gives up the eighth most points to quarterbacks, particularly struggling with running quarterbacks, as they always have, but especially with this slow, tired linebacking core, they're horrendous. They're awful tacklers. They're awful in pursuit. They don't get pressure on the quarterback. He's going to have a clean pocket, and then he's just going to scramble. Whether they spy him or not, they're not going to be able to catch him because they're so fucking slow. Uh, so I like Josh Allen to, again, have a nice 80, 90, 100-yard rushing day again. You know Billy. He's in a scheme. He knows how to coach this up. But I, I just don't think they have the firepower, no matter how good the scheme is to stop Josh Allen. That's a fucking crazy statement, by the way. I can't believe I'm saying it. Uh, Again, I just think the matchup is beautiful for him. The track record these last four weeks gives me even more faith. As crazy as it sounds to put a Bills player, never mind a quarterback, in, in your fantasy finals, I would be playing Josh Allen if I was desperate. We move on to running backs, the horses, the bell cows, the guys I love. This is my position, baby. And I start with a guy I've been loving since his combine, just drooling over his Vaughn Miller comparables, the ridiculous 40 time, the ridiculous broad jumps, all that stuff, explosive, big, strong, steamroller, hammer, whatever I called him, everything. It's Derrick Henry, folks. And he's been absolutely steamrolling, as I thought it would be these last three years, exotic smash mouth, and then comes in and Matt LaFleur, the best running attack in two straight years, It's been pathetic. It's been abysmal. He's ran like a soft little bitch. I admit that for sure. There's a reason why he hasn't been getting 30-plus carries a week like he did against the Giants because he's been soft. He's bouncing his runs. He's getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. Even though he's 260 and runs a 4-5, he's been stuffed like he's a 
fucking little baby. Uh, but now he gets a just a, a hot hand. I mean, what was there to argue there? 50 points two weeks ago, 30 points last week, a career-high 33. He says Eddie George kind of came up to him, called him out, said you're not finishing your runs, you're playing soft. For a guy your size, it's embarrassing. And ultimately that, that fired him up. Now, I can't imagine he didn't hear that from his coaching staff week in and week out. If not, I don't know what the hell you're doing there, coaching staff. But Eddie George comes in, fires him up in these last two weeks. The results have shown... Uh, what I think it's 408 yards, six touchdowns, 8.6 yards per carry. These last two outings, how could you bench that hot hand? Somehow the experts have him not even in your top 12 running backs at 13. I have him, I'm deciding between like six, seven, or eight. So I'm going to be at least five spots higher than the experts. If you have Henry, he has to be in your lineup, no doubt about it. I have him above Melvin Gordon, for example. I have him above a million guys. So Derrick Henry in your lineup this week. Do not bench him. The fantasy gods have given you the title winner. He is that title winner of this year. And if you bench him, you are an idiot. I also want to just quick mention Fournette. I talked about practicing in full. I'm five spots higher than him on the experts. Miami's just that bad. It's not that I love Fournette. I fucking hate him for how shitty he's been all year as your you know, first or second rounder. Brutal. But maybe he gives you his redemption play here. I, maybe he gets 20-plus touches. You never know with the Jaguars, but... I'm expecting a big game from Fournette. So if you have him and you're contemplating Fournette, I'm most likely going to lean that way. Who am I lower on? I got two guys for you. The first one isn't that I hate this guy, and that's Nick Chubb. Of course I love the guy. I've been a waiver wire hero since they traded away Carlos Hyde. So I don't hate this guy. He's been a running back one week in and week out. I have him in RB11, so I still think he's going to be a running back one. But by the experts' rankings, he's RB5. I think that's just a little aggressive, especially after last week makes me nervous is he lost touches to Duke Johnson and specifically all the receiving touches. He was getting subbed out. Duke didn't have a huge day, like four or five catches, but Nick Chubb only had one target on the day and losing that really hurts his overall ceiling. The floor is going to be high. He's facing Cincy. They get bombed week in and week out. Uh, They get bled on the ground by running backs. The second most uh, yards on the game, yards per game, first most points to running backs. Uh, So Chubb has the matchup. It's friendly. Even still, I'm not going to rank him above the horses such as Kamara, such as Dalvin Cook, such as Derrick Henry, just because that floor, to me, seems a little bit lower uh, than what I once expected. So, I mean, maybe it was just a random week. Maybe they saw a matchup problem. Nick Chubb had a huge game, 26 points against Cincy last time, but a lot of that came on the back of a monster receiving game. He hasn't been very efficient with his carries, and if he's now down to just a an early down horse... I think you're just going to get your like standard 90 yards. Maybe he gets into the end zone, but running back five, a bit aggressive for me in the expert rankings. Other than him, James White makes me pretty damn nervous this week. Six spots lower than the experts. I have him as my running back, 26. What makes me nervous is I think the Patriots are putting him in bubble wrap for the season. We've seen this year, his previous career high in touches, 99. Now he's already at 163, so almost double his touches already, and we've still got two more weeks to go. That, to me, especially the way these last couple of weeks have gone, suggests that the Patriots are going to rest this guy, get him ready. He's always their playoff hero. Uh, so I think that the team, we've seen it the last few weeks too, four of his last five have been under double-digit fantasy points. His touches have begun to evaporate. His snaps have gone down tremendously over those five-week span. Burkhead's also been back. It's become a three-headed fucking nightmare. The way the Patriots always t- typically operate, 
And that's just, again, it was atypical for James White to be such a horse early on in the season. So at this point, I know I was all in on him throughout the year, but at this point, with the postseason lingering, with his touches diminishing in anticipation of that, James White's not a guy I would like to have in my lineup. My Hail Mary, obviously there's a lot of one-week plug-ins. The most important one being Jamal Williams. You got Aaron Jones to the IR. I know he has a little toe flare-up, but the coach has said he's a huge part of the game plan. Suggested that it's nothing major, this toe. He's also up to 72% owned, though, so I get that he's probably not out there for you if you didn't already get him. So check on Kalen Bilaj. We mentioned him earlier. 30% owned, my running back 25, so right on the cusp of being an RB2 in my opinion. He has 4-4 speed, a great build, 6-2, uh, with that style speed and with soft hands, a, a typical three-down horse, this guy could be in line for 20 touches. He was the one that came in and got all the work. 12 carries, 123 yards, touchdown, and the Dolphins win last. Uh, I mean, Dolphins lost last week, not their win. But he was the one, not Kenyon Drake, that took over that lead back role. Expect more of the same. Kalen Balaz, the matchup against Jacksonville, obviously not appetizing, but. Derrick Henry just steamrolled these guys for 230 and multiple scores, so it's not like they're impossible to run against. I like Bellage to get a lot of work and to potentially do some damage with it and find the end zone. If you're desperate, give him a try. Even better than him would be John Kelly, 19% owned, if Todd Gurley sits. So I would stash both these guys, see what Gurley's status is. And even if Gurley plays, I mean, I'd rather have Bellage at that point, but even if he plays and Bellage is gone, I think Kelly could be inserted in the lineups because they might be bleeding that clock late. They might get a huge lead and then have Kelly do the second half for him with Gurley banged up those knees. Either way, Kelly needs to be owned in a potential streamer in this delicious matchup against the third most points to running backs. Whew. Wide receivers. Oh, man. I'm missing the, the truth here because this is just no pause for breaks. But wide receivers, we get to higher, and it's Dante Pettis facing Chicago. My wide receiver, 21. That's six spots higher than the experts. So Chicago obviously and deservedly has this allure as a great defense. And it's not an allure. They are a great defense. Very good against the run. Very great at getting to the passer. Khalil Mack has been an unbelievable acquisition, making them look like geniuses. But one area they have been weak is tackling in the secondary, uh, allowing receivers to get deep behind them. Their secondary is definitely their weak spot. So when they don't get to the passer, if they have any time to throw, uh, then their wide receivers have torn them up. 13 most points in the league, uh, eighth most in PPR leagues as well. Two wide receivers. Everywhere else, it's like 32nd, 31st. They shut down everything but wide receivers. And that plays into Pettis' game, uh, a guy that makes the most out of his catches, a monster after the catch, very shifty, breaks tackles well. That's his game. Quick hitters to neutralize that pass rush. Get it into your receiver's hands. Let him do his work. That's Pettis' style. This defense is very poor at tackling. I expect Pettis to get tons of looks as that safety blanket, that security guy, with Kittle probably getting double teamed. I wouldn't be surprised to see Pettis, who has four straight games of double digits, to cross that 10-plus point threshold yet again. Would I rather have him than my lower guy, Jarvis Landry? Absolutely. Landry, despite the plum matchup against Cincinnati, is my wide receiver 24. That's six spots lower than the experts. How are they that high on him? I know going into the year, this was my boy. I raved about him, thought he was the easiest lock of the century. But he's been pure shit. He's been pure shit, especially since they transitioned to Freddie Kitchens 
and Baker Mayfield. You'd expect things to get better, but they've only gotten worse since going there. He's been under 50 yards in nearly every single one of those games. Yeah, he had that 22-point and 13-point day in weeks 13 and 14, and it gave people some hope. But right back to earth with you know three catches for, what, 30 yards last week, 4.5. Pathetic outing in your fantasy playoffs for week 15. And I would not be going back to the well in week 16. As bad as since he is on paper as a giving up offense, giving up total offense, they've been surprisingly decent against wide receivers. Only the 16th most fantasy points. Landry himself against these guys uh, had under four points. It was a pathetic outing for him. So I don't. I mean, maybe he blows up because it is uh, again the Bengals and they're horrible. But even with Mayfield going absolutely bonkers against the Bengals last time, Landry was an afterthought. So he's not nearly as must-start as the experts recommend him, in my opinion, in my eyes. I wouldn't want to trust him. I'd rather have somebody else than Jarvis Landry this week. Now, Hail Marys, who could blow up for you if you need somebody to plug in? Do I have to talk about Robert Foster for like the eighth week in a row? My goodness. Only 27% owned, so still people aren't recognizing that this guy is taking over the league right now. He's got double-digit points in four of his last five. Seems to me like they take at least three or four deep shots to this guy every single week. Him and Allen have a nice connection. Him and Dobble, his old play caller from college, have been making magic happen. So I like... Uh, Robert Foster this week as my top favorite streamer. I'm eight spots higher on him on the ECR at my wide receiver, 28 against a crumbling Patriots defense. I think he could find the end zone at least one time and, again, get over double digits. If not him, let's look at the opposite end of the ball, Chris Hogan. First, you got that revenge game narrative going back against Buffalo. Uh, He got deep last week for 65 and a TD, so we're starting to see him get back involved in the offense. And then you lose Josh Gordon, their main kind of field stretcher, that opposite end of the field of, of Edelman that you need. So I can see them really trying to just pepper Chris Hogan this week, get him active, get him acclimated back into this offense, uh, and get him in a groove before the playoffs start. That's kind of what I'm seeing. I mean, it's very tough pass defense, Buffalo is. But Kenny Galladay just buried these guys. And I could see... Chris Hogan kind of be in that sneaky matchup play where the Patriots just pepper him, get him in the groove before the playoffs, and get him some uh, some touches against his old team. He's only you know, 30% owned right now, only 10% started. He'd be another splash play. He's dropped in nearly every league I'm in, so he's a guy, if you're completely desperate wide receiver, that I could see having a decent day. Uh, alrighty, folks, I completely forgot to do tight ends this week, but... We have a lot of tight end questions in the mailbag. If you need a higher, lower, Hail Mary, tight end, let me know. I got Jalen Samuels as my number two, so that's going to be higher than the ECR, I imagine, for sure. Let me just pull up my rankings, just kind of like rifle one off for you, um, just so I don't leave you hanging at the tight end position. And then we'll hit our mailbag. We got a absolutely loaded one. I love this season more than any other because usually we start to trail off a little bit at the end, but you Wolves have been crushing it so much that everybody seems to just be more and more active. The The mailbag has been just ratcheting up week in and week out, like 50 questions every single week. It's been amazing. And speaking of questions, after this podcast, if you still need another opinion, you got to come in to the Fantasy Tailgate on Sunday. Uh, maybe we'll even get a little Saturday show because we know there's some Saturday football and you might have questions then. Sit, start, show, Facebook Live. So search Roto Street Journal on Facebook. If you don't already follow us, we do some great live shows throughout the, the week and that's definitely our flagship. We've had you know 70 comments, 80 comments, 100 comments the week before. Unbelievable, the interaction we've got. A great group of people too that like to help each other out, that comment to help each other. So if you haven't seen it yet, you got to tune into the Fantasy Tailgate 
on Roto Street Journal on Facebook. All right, so tight ends, I'm looking, and a clear lower for me is Zach Ertz. Uh, makes me a little nervous to have him as low as I do, five spots below the ECR at tight end seven, meaning he's the two in the, the expert's eyes. Houston does get bombed by tight ends, so I could eat my words on this one. Nick Foles, though, it all comes down to him. He had eyes for only Alshon last week, and I don't know if that, that goes away after we've seen T.Y. Hilton bomb the, that team, after we saw Robbie Anderson bomb that team. It's been the number one receivers that have been getting open at will against them, not necessarily tight ends the last couple weeks. So Zach Ertz, a little bit lower because of that Foles effect. I have Jalen Samuels 16 spots higher, so yeah, I'd say I'm a little bit higher on him. I imagine that's the experts either factoring that he's not a tight end in every league or that, uh, or that they just haven't waited the Connor absence yet. So I'm looking for somebody I'm like significantly higher on, and it's not much this week. It's a lot of plus one, plus twos. Uh, there's just not a whole ton this week that I'm higher on, uh, or, or different from the experts necessarily. So there's nobody I can pick as a, a clear higher, but as a hail mary. Uh, I guess higher, you know what, who I definitely have higher is Austin Hooper. I have him a three spots higher. He's my tight end nine for the week. Facing Carolina, they've been bled by tight ends. So Hooper, somehow out there in a lot of waiver wires right now, a guy I'd be looking at. And, and Evan Ingram been dropped a lot. And Odell looking like he's probably going to miss a third straight week. And we've seen Ingram's stats skyrocket in his absence, his usage skyrocket alongside that. So those are a couple guys you could look for. Austin Hooper, Evan Ingram. Uh, on the waiver wires and, and more leagues than they should be. And if you need an even more desperate Hail Mary than that, uh, I'm looking at this list and I say maybe Uzuma. At this point, he's been peppered week in and week out, done nothing with it, but now Boyd is gone. Who else is there that Driscoll has any type of chemistry with? Cleveland, not a great secondary. I can see him or Herndon against Green Bay uh, for the Jets, another guy that's made some magic happen too. So those are some tight end guys just to keep a on your radar. To the mailbag we go. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Wolfpack, thanks for tuning in. You've had to deal with my voice alone. No Nat, the truth, Jones. Uh, again, we miss him. Nat, I hope your, your roof is nice and shingled. You father you. Let's get to it. Alberto Delalmo wants to know, Hooper, Vernon, or Uzuma? How is that even a question? It's 100% Hooper. Uh, he's the only one on that list that's had any type of success this year. Give me the guy facing the easiest slate of games uh, against Carolina. Uh, the only guy that's been active in his offense. I'm going Hooper. Jimbo Slice coming in with a full PPR. Didn't make the finals, so fling self into oncoming traffic or hang self from the ceiling fan. Two great options for the deal with that fantasy depression, Jimbo. I'd be more of a fan of flinging into traffic. That could at least be framed as a, uh, you know, not a suicide. So you could still collect the life insurance, uh, let some benefits, some good come out of it. Otherwise, it, you're not getting any of the, the insurance benefits out of there for your family and whatnot. So don't be so selfish to forget about them in this time of trauma. <laughs> awful, awful, awful of me to say it and entertain that horrendous question. But Jimbo Slice, it gets better, my friend. I know how horrible and dark that pit can be. Fantasy depression is for real. But we'll get you that title next week, uh, next year, Jimbo. Uh, we can root for our boy Mad Money Mike to take that title down. I know he cuckolded you, and that's what happens. You get the cuck, you get the fuck. And Mike, Mad Money Mike had his way with you. But it's all, there will be a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're one of our favorite writers, Jimbo Slice. Win your, win your million bucks on DraftKings this week. How about that? Instead of any of those horrible thoughts. Christian Gill wants to know, Coleman, Fournette, 
Jeff Wilson, Alfred Blue. Let's cut off those last two pieces of trash. No need to worry about them. Fournette or Coleman? Coleman's definitely the higher floor, but let me get that ceiling in there. Fournette facing Miami, practicing in full. I expect him to pay off for you big. He was your you know, first-round pick. Let him redeem himself this week against Miami. He also wants to know, what should your payout percentages be for first, second, and third? He's in a big argument because they foolishly did not establish it before the season. Yes, I think that's very foolish, first of all, that you're deciding this the day of the championship. Poor, shame on you, awful. But what would I do? What does most of my leagues do? What do I like to advocate for? I think third gets their money back, whatever that might be. And let's say you buy in for 200 bucks. They'll get their 200 ba- back. I say second gets about three times that. So you're looking at maybe 500, so like 200, 500. Rest goes to the winner. So you're looking at 15... 100 to you know 2,000 there. We're doing that 200 buy-in example. Uh, I, I would like first to have at least triple of what second gets, uh, maybe even more so. You got to reward the winner. It's fantasy. There's no second place consolation. I do know some leagues. You know they they will text and say first and second. Do you want to just split it or like you know more 60 40? But I like a dramatic. I like like 70 30 is how I kind of like my my percentages. Thomas Brancolin, a consistent wolf. Thank you for always being there and tuning in. He asks, Goff or Dak? Both off horrendous duds. I trust Dak, though. Much better matchup against Tampa Bay coming. I get Tampa Bay's looked better these last couple weeks, but Goff gets Arizona sneakily the 30th most points to wide receive, uh, to quarterbacks. So they've been very stingy. Maybe because they're so bad against the run that teams just gash them on the ground. Not maybe, definitely. That's what happens. Uh, but if Goff's going to reverse the script, he's not in the best place to do it. Bracklin mentioned that he, he thinks that they're going to get the, the defense will have them in good position all game, which could get Goff some easy touchdowns. That's true. And that's a potential game trip. That's why like just the, the points against don't always matter. But to me, it's more likely that when they get in those positive spots, they just hand it off. And as teams have done all year against the Cardinals, they're running back just scampers in, whether it's Gurley, whether it's Kelly. I'm not trusting Goff after back-to-back duds. I'm going to go with Dak there. Antonio Mendoza the third. Day-Day Hamilton or Jarvis Landry? Full PPR. Now, I know Landry was my lower. That being said, there's no ceiling with Hamilton. There's targets. There's volume. But last week, you saw it. Seven catches on 12 targets for 40 yards. Nice, safe 11 points. The floor is higher than Landry, but Landry does get Cincy. So if it's if I'm going that low, give me Landry. My wide receiver 24, whereas Hamilton's more around my 30 range. CJ, pick two, half PPR. Ingram, Galladay, Landry, Mike Williams, Corey Davis. I'm going to lean Ingram Galladay, the first two options you you mentioned there. Mike Williams, I love the blow-up he just had. Next year, a sneak peek to my 2019 big board, he is way higher than many of you might actually anticipate. Uh, but ultimately, against Baltimore with Keenan Allen back, not the best of matchups, but man, his red zone chemistry is so real with Phillip Rivers. Jarvis Landry, we already talked about why we're lower on him. And then Corey Davis, did you ask this question, CJ, so I could get one more Fuck you, Corey Davis out there. What an absolute loser that guy's been all year. Now, granted, when I texted you your answer to this one, the matchup for Corey Davis is ripe. Washington's been getting dominated by number one receivers, especially over these last few weeks. So if ever Corey Davis is going to have yet another one of his random 20-point blowups, it would be this week. 
But to me, you can't trust him in your fantasy finals, especially with Ingram and Galladay. Very serviceable options, very good options to get to the end zone, even in tougher matchups against Pittsburgh. Uh, Detroit has Xavier Rhodes, but we just saw Galladay roasting Jadavious Wright. He's been one of the best corners in the league. He can get it done against Rhodes, too. T. Miller. He's got Rivers at quarterback, but he has some options on the waivers or, or potential pickups here. We got Dak at Tampa Bay, Trubisky against San Fran, or Cousins in Detroit. Would you keep with Rivers? Would you pick one of those guys up? If so, which one? To me, it's not Rivers. Uh, it's either Dak or Trubisky, not Cousins. The offense is more run heavy. Cousins hasn't topped. He had 16 last week, but it, it's the Dalvin Cook show at this point. So to me, it comes down to Dak or Trubisky. I think I lean Trubisky. He's got that 30-point blow-up feel. Uh, he's had plenty of those monster games. He's off a 19-point day. And he's had a couple duds since coming back. But San Fran, seventh most points to quarterbacks. They might even be able to keep pace so that he has to keep throwing it. Uh, Dak just scares me so much off that dud. Tampa Bay, I get it, is a great spot for him. But they've been playing better ball. Uh, this is tough, though. I mean, they're, those two are like 7-8 in my ranking, so it's damn close. But I feel better about Trubisky's floor. I think they both have similar ceilings, so give me Trubisky. Mackenzie Crawford. It's the finals, Wolf. We're on the same page last week. Let's see if you feel the same here, my guy. Half PPR flex spot. Sony, Ugg, I agree with that, Ugg. The bus, Jamal Williams, Jalen Samuels. If Connor is out, as we covered earlier, Connor is expected to be out, so he, by far, Jalen Samuels, is my favorite play there. He says, McKenzie, that he was leaning Williams, especially because Rodgers is likely to play. Uh, so in response to my response of Samuels, he wrote, if you go Samuels, do I flip him in a tight end and then put Williams at my flex because I have Gronk at tight end? Now things get a little bit trickier. To me, Samuels is the top option of those three. So now it comes down to flex Gronk versus Williams. That's hard. That's tricky because Gronk has historically bombed the Buffalo Bills. That's his like hometown. His, you know, his family will all be out at that game. But Gronk's been so inconsistent too this year. Like... Williams, uh, uh, pretty much a lock as long as he's out there. I know he's got a little toe flare-up. But again, Joe Philbin's saying it's uh, he's got a big part of the game plan this week. They've been giving him a ton of run at practice. I like Williams to see 20-plus touches against the Jets. Uh, the Jets are middle of the road, about 20th in the league against running backs. So not a, a fantastic matchup. But with Rodgers playing that F.U. McCarthy-style offense, wanting to get a lot of points on the board, Williams a great pass protector, a solid pass catcher. We saw that last week when he played 87% of the snaps and racked up over 100 total yards, especially in the receiving game. I like Williams this week. I think I would go with the sure volume. Go Samuels, go Williams there. Hav Martinez got this far without a week-in, week-out wide receiver too. And that's what happens. When you have a horse stable, which I know you do, Hav, uh, you don't need wide receivers to dominate for you. In fact, I'm in a championship, my best team all year, been in my, you know, shout out to my Holy Cross boys, my college. Uh, my team has been dominating in that league, and it's not because of wide receivers. I did have AJ Green and Will Fuller, but both of them obviously have gone down since. So I've been rolling out you know, Pettis, Curtis Samuel, Josh Reynolds, this week Robbie Anderson. Like I've been playing that wide receiver musical chairs, and it hasn't made a difference because I have Kelsey, I have Mahomes, and I got my stable of Zeke, 
James Conner or Jalen Samuels and Nick Chubb. And just having those three horses has been a godsend. So that's why we preach building the stable, not worrying so much about the target hogs because you can get it done and Javier, you're proof too. But your options here for wide receiver two, Corey Davis against Washington, Robbie Anderson against Green Bay, Godwin against Dallas, Pettis against Chicago, Deshaun Hamilton against Oakland. I like a lot of those streamers. My personal favorite is Robbie Anderson against Green Bay. Like I've said a few times already, 30% target share over these last couple weeks with Sam Donald at QB. Sam Donald's talked about how he's the first guy he looks at when he's on the run, when plays break down. He's trying to find where is Robbie Anderson, where are those dreads, uh, and he just lobs it up to him and lets him make a play. They've taken plenty of deep shots these last couple weeks to Robbie Anderson, too. They hooked up on a touchdown last week, back-to-back weeks with scores, back-to-back weeks with over 15 fantasy points, and now the third most points to wide receivers, Green Bay. I like Anderson to have yet another big game to wrap up your season. Uh, Robbie's my boy this week. Dylan Gonzalez. Connor's active. Do you play him? Yeah, but he's not going to be, so let's not worry about that. Better off with Jamal Williams. Not a bad backup plan if you don't have Jalen Samuels. So yeah, go go Jamal Williams. Does Kelly become a must-start if no Gurley? Absolutely. Third most points on the ground Arizona gives up. I'd rather have John Kelly than Jamal Williams in that instance. He'll be a top, probably top 17 back in my opinion. John Kelly will be. Matt Kogler. CMC replacement if he doesn't play. We talked about some of this at the, the front, but Jamal Williams would have been the first spot to look. He might not be there, though. 70% on at this point. Kalen Balaj, an option. Risky to trust uh, Adam Gase. You never know what that motherfucker's going to do. You think Drake will finally have his unleashing, and he goes and unleashes Kalen Balaj instead. But maybe he goes back to Drake. You never know, but there's some upside there with Kalen Balaj for sure. A uh, lot of talent inside that four, uh, that 6'2", 230-pound, 4'4 body. Lots of athleticism. So he could get it done. And if he's not there, I definitely would be stashing John Kelly to see what happens with Gurley. And worse comes to worse, Cameron Artis Payne as the direct backup to CMC. That's kind of the progression to look at for his replacement plan. Dookie B, my man, a, a loyal day one Wolfpack member. Half PPR, you start one. David Johnson, Jamal Williams... Damian Williams or Sony Michelle? To me, it comes down to David Johnson and Damian Williams. I think Spencer Ware is going to be more involved than people think. I know Williams just had his blow up. Very explosive. <laughs> looked way better than I would give him credit for uh, on last week's podcast. The way he moves in space and it operates as a receiver, very dangerous. But I can see Ware getting involved with the goal line. He's also been very effective when healthy. So to me, that's more of a committee than what David Johnson's dealing with. Give me David Johnson this week. Uh, tough matchup against the Rams, but still, uh, I'm going to lean him. Sit one of Galladay, Robinson, Anderson. I'm going to sit uh, Robinson there. Galladay got it done against uh, Tredavious White last week. Robbie Anderson, I've already raved about a million times here. So I'm all in on those two guys. Robinson, I guess the matchup against San Fran is pretty juicy, but uh, how could you trust this guy? That offense spreads the ball way too much. Bears D or Dallas D? Uh, he's recognizing that 100% of Fantasy Pros experts took Bears, but he's considering the Cowboys. Am I crazy, he asks. It's not crazy because Tampa Bay is due for that, you know, classic Jameis Winston shits all over himself and turns the balls over like three or four times. Didn't do that against the Ravens, though. If he didn't do it against them, why would he suddenly shit himself against the, the Cowboys? Not as good of a defense as the Ravens. And it's the Bears. You've been probably riding them all year. They get San Fran, so there's no reason not to love that matchup. You're going with the Bears. They're going to get sacks. They're going to get turnovers maybe a touchdown you gotta love the bears this week and last one grady george Belage or sony that is a tough one 
I'm going to lean Sony just because, again, that point I brought up, you never know what Gase is going to do. I don't love Sony, though. This has become a three-headed nightmare. He gets vultured by James Devlin every week, seemingly. So uh, maybe there's other options. Maybe you stash Kelly and see if Gurley sits. But to me, it's Sony, unfortunately. All right, Wolves. That is our Week 16 preview. Again, shout out to the truth. I hope the roof shingles have gone well today. Uh, <laughs> but I am the, the wolf. I'm here with your solo podcast. I hope it wasn't too painful for you guys to have to listen to this you know, nasally voice that's stuffy because I'm sick with a cold. Uh, so hopefully it wasn't too bad. Hopefully you were able to fight through that uh, and enjoy the podcast. If you liked it, if you hated it, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf. Chirp me all you want. Ask any sit-start questions. I love it. Fantasies are the best. Uh, and we only have another week to really be talking about it. So get on in there with me. Chat me up. You can find this podcast if this is your first time somehow, uh, the Fantasy Fullback Dive. Find it everywhere. Subscribe. It means the world to us to hear from you, your reviews. Love reading those every single week. It brings me just, it genuinely brings me joy. And even the bad ones. I just like that you're active and involved in letting us know your thoughts. So hit us up there too. Let us know what you're thinking. We're going to pave that path to your Week 16 title, baby. And then Roto Street Journal on Instagram, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. Fantasy Tailgate this Sunday. Be there. Be square. Wolfpack. Best of luck. Get those titles. And we'd love to hear from you if you do. If we helped you at all, we need some testimonials. Uh, we want to just kind of build the brand. So if we helped you, what, what did we help you with? Did we help you land Mahomes because we were all in on him? Did we make a sit-start call that was bold that you weren't considering? And it saved you. I know, Sonny, if you're listening, you shouted us out last week. It was amazing. Kirk Cousins, that last-minute switch when we talked on Snapchat. Roto Street Wolf, you can find me too. He hits me up. I tell him, make that switch. Go, Cousins. He wins by .8. That's the fucking stuff of stories. That's what we want to hear from you guys. If we saved you... Uh, and if we killed you, of course, rip into us too because we deserve it. We like to own our mistakes as well. But especially if we helped you out, uh, the least we ask is just please let us know how we helped you so we can you know, build our testimonial bank and, and build the site because we have huge things planned for 2019. But before then, we're getting you your titles. Let's go, Wolfpack. Best of luck. We the used wolf to have out. it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.